Fourth and five at the Cleveland 44. Jackson in the gun. Five on the line. Shotgun snap. Fourth and five. Runs out of the pocket. Pass the hash mark on the numbers. Downfield throws. It's caught at the 20. Wide open is Brown. He goes from the 10 to the 5. It's a touchdown. Baltimore comes right back and they get the touchdown pass of 44 yards. Minus three. With Dave Damashek and Jeff Schwartz. Do it, fellas. Hi and hello and happy holiday sports fans and welcome to Minus 3 presented as always by FanDuel Sportsbook. Tune in all season long for exclusive offers and odds boost. FanDuel's more ways to win. There you just heard it there. The incontinent reception. A famous play, especially if the Ravens go on to make some hay in January. That play off the right arm of uh, of Poopy Jackson to Hollywood Brown may be enough to vault them into the postseason tournament. Let's break that down and also all that's upcoming. A huge weekend of football action, college basketball getting juicy already here. Let's talk about all of it with our main guy there. Uh, there you see the helmets hanging behind his head. It's Jeff Schwartz. What's the poop with you, fella? Uh, poop is definitely a topic of discussion for this week. Yeah, so, really. Uh, I'm uh, I'm glad to be here. I don't think we've made enough, by the way, of Lamar Jackson coming on fourth and five and just throwing like what would have been the game winning touchdown pass. Obviously, in that moment, he was out of of real game with 25 minutes, like real of real time, getting an IV, taking a poop, whatever story you want to go with. Taking the poop, obviously, it's a much better story. And he comes on the field on fourth and five and throws a game-winning touchdown. Now, obviously, it wasn't game-winning at the time, but he throws a touchdown pass on fourth and five. Like, it's unbelievable. It re- Well, it is. And also, you would have thought he would run there. when that he was, had too. To be, that had to be the longest .3 seconds in Baltimore Ravens fans' lives to see him throw that ball in the direction of Hollywood Brown, given all of Brown's drops over the course of the game, instead of just running for the first down. But uh, obviously everything worked and, out. Go and ahead. I actually thought he ran the football. I actually took my eyes to Dobbins, who was leading him. I, I took my eyes down. It was like, okay, Dobbins will block this guy. Lamar will run. All of a sudden it was like, oh, he threw the ball. So it was, um, wow, what a game. What a game. And, uh man, we I just I just love this sport. I love it, man. I'm it so really, glad you're playing. It's the best. It it really like I uh, tweeted um that night. I have no rooting interest in this game. In fact, I have reason to dislike both these teams, and yet you couldn't help but get swept up in the game of the year to that point. But let's look ahead because we also have with Eddie Spaghetti alongside. He is uh, white-knuckling already because he's got his Notre Dame fighting Irish going. He's got the Giants in a big game against those aforementioned Cleveland Browns. Let's get into it then, shall we, fellas, Uh, with the help of FanDuel. It's time for our win-play show, Bets of the Week. We give our three best bets. I'll start us off and talking about that big ACC, pseudo-ACC game. I don't know how we're supposed to feel about Notre Dame being in it and also, how we're supposed to feel about Notre Dame and Clemson, both already, I guess, being in the Final Four, no matter what happens in this game. No, if, if Notre Dame wins again, Clemson's out. I, they, they have Correct. to be, right. They would have to be. Um, we've debated this back and forth on the show plenty already. Eddie Spaghetti would be va- is vexed with me for pointing out that if Notre Dame loses, it's a conference championship game. By definition, it's a playoff game. If Notre Dame loses it, 
they should be excluded from the final four. What do I think is going to happen in this one? Clemson giving 10 and a half here. I think they're going to cover that one. And in fact, I think that's your best football bet of the entire weekend. I think Trevor Lawrence is that much of a difference. As nice as the backup QB was in South Bend, I think that this time around that Clemson's out to prove a point. And I think they're going to double digit um, beat the uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. My place bet. By the way, this is a, a a tough weekend, and as always, our win play show bets focus on Northeast teams, and I think we can count Notre Dame because they are a national program playing in the ACC. So uh, we're, we're we've given ourselves some latitude to include them, but sticking to the Northeast teams, I'm going to go with the Eagles plus six and a half down in Arizona, and then my show bet is going to be the Jets and Rams total. I hit on this last week by saying Jets and Seahawks. Um, going under that total. I'm going to try it again here, go back to that well. Jets and Rams, 43.5 is the total on that one. I'm going under, again, exactly how many points do the Rams need to score? Are they going to really get to 35? And you can almost, the way the Rams defense is playing, you can assume that the Jets ain't getting the double digits themselves. I think this is, as low as that number looks, 43.5, I still think they're going to go even further under that one. That's my win play show, I Jeff Schwartz. I'll say you. Well, I'll give you a couple of Clemson things right now. Um, they're 10.5-point favorites, as you mentioned. They have won 41 straight games as a double-digit favorite, and just four of the 41 games were decided by less than 10 points. So mm-hmm. when they're when they're a ten half point, uh, uh, you know they're, and I've been, you know, kind of going back and forth in this game, but I do feel like with a with a healthy Trevor Lawrence, this game is just much different, and the the team plays more confidently. It's basically a home game for them, right? They're playing right up the street from me in Charlotte. They're, they'll, they'll have fans of the game. They'll have Clemson fans of the game. Um, I think Clemson. I'm on your side, Dave. Put it like that. I'm on your side. But the other the other games, I'm not. I'm going to get to them right now, by the way. So my my win bet, and I love how we're doing this backwards this week. My win bet is Arizona minus six and a half. And I'll tell you guys why. So we're sticking to Northeast bets, obviously, here. Um, the Eagles are a huge public play this weekend. A lot of public money is on the Eagles, and the line is not moving at all, which tells you there's a lot of sharp money in Arizona. Let's look at Jalen Hurts for a second and how that game went last weekend. And I told you guys, remember, I thought a, a sloppy, low-scoring game was what I predicted. I thought 2014 is what I said. I thought the Saints would win, obviously. So they got an 80-yard touchdown run on a misfit run by the Saints. They're not going to have that. It's not going to happen this weekend. Jalen Hurts got a short field one time that led to a field goal. And he only threw the ball five times in the second half. He was just okay. He ran the ball very well, 108 yards rushing. But the Cardinals now have a blueprint for how the Eagles are going to, you know, are going to go about their offense. They know now how they're going to run their offense, and it's not anything special. And Arizona's defense is playing well. We saw them play well against the Giants, pressuring Daniel Jones eight sacks, and no, they're not going to sack. They're going to sack Jalen Hurts eight times. But really, what this is about is we talked last week that Kyler Murray and his health was he healthy? He looked healthy against the Giants on on uh, on Sunday. He ran the ball again. He was scrambled on third down. And this is where I think the advantage is is him with his legs, and also the Eagles secondary is very beat up. And DeAndre Hopkins looked better last weekend. So give me the Cardinals here minus the six and a half under a touchdown. I love it. Number two, my place bet: Sam Darnold under. 210 yards. 210 uh, yards is way too high for him. This season, let me pull up the numbers here for this season. Rams are allowing 191 yards per game through the air. Sam Darnold has only been over 200 yards twice this entire season. So it's not something he does. 
and no matter who the Rams play, like I look to see like, oh, when they play uh, opponents that aren't as good, do they allow more passing yards just out of, you know, late game or whatever? They don't. They don't. They just don't allow a lot of passing yards. And so I think this game, uh, Aaron Donald, Rams have to keep winning this game. I think they, to your point, Dave, like, you know, 24-7, somewhere around there, uh, the Jets could cover this big 17-and-a-half-point spread. So I'm going there and my my last bet. Also, but let me just say, yeah. I, I defy you to say Darnold and Donald repeatedly like 10 times in a row. It's hard to do. Donald, Darnold, 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 Darnold. It's hard to do. Continue. <laughs> and my last one, I don't even know. I, I got the number last night. Let me let me go to FanDuel.com. Remember, uh, minus three. You go ahead and check that out. Browns minus the four and a half here. Um, I know the emotional... Uh, uh, part of the Browns, right? They lost them on a football game, but I do think sometimes losses can benefit young teams and they're a super young team. They don't have one guy starting over 30 years old. The only team in the NFL that, ha- that can say that. And they, I think, will be motivated off this loss and the heartbreak of that loss to play really well against the Giants. Plus, Daniel Jones may or may not play. I don't know. Jason Garrett is not going to coach that game. So Freddie Kitchens is now going to be coaching as an OC. So I'm going Browns here minus the four and a half. I want to make one more point. I forgot to say this, guys. Our boosted bet. You can fade my Arizona pick, by the way. Our boosted bet. Fando.com slash minus threes. The Eagles plus six and a half. If you think that I am full of it, which I've been known to be full of it, but I love the Eagles this weekend. I I love the Cardinals this weekend. So Eagles plus six and a half. They boosted it up to plus, make sure right here I got this number right, to plus 110 from minus 114 if you like the Eagles. So go to FanDuel.com. Eagles fans are all, Eagles fans are just now putting their green jerseys on, but in fact, it's you, Jeff Schwartz, who's the Grinch. People are trying to get excited about Jalen Hurts, and here you come picking the Cardinals. All right, I'm going to ride with the Eagles there. I'm going to take the six and a half and ride with Philly. I think that... Um, Arizona may win the game. I, that won't shock me, but I do think that the Eagles can at least keep it close. Eddie Spaghetti, how say you? Uh, with that game specifically, I do think the Eagles can cover, but the the Cardinals will win that game. But uh, for my three best bets of the week, I'll start with my um, with my show bet, and it is I have the Eagles Cardinals over forty nine and a half. I just think obviously the Cardinals offense is electric. I saw what they did versus the Giants, who have a pretty good defense. Um, but uh, the the Kenyon Drake Edmonds running game is is finally figuring itself out. The receivers are slowly getting healthy. Obviously, Larry Fitz is coming over the, the COVID illness, and, and Kyle has just been uh, a lot better than he has been in the last few weeks, uh, last week versus the Giants. And I just think with Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, like it, 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 mobile quarterback, he's going to extend plays, they're going to score points. I can see this game, both teams being in the 30s in this game. Um, for my place bet, uh, you know, you guys both talked about Notre Dame Clemson. I will say, I'm not ultra confident in Notre Dame winning this game because I do think there's something to be said about them knowing already they will be in the college football playoff. So that being said, I do think 10 and a half points is a lot of points. Notre Dame's not going to get blown out in this game. If you think that's the case, that means you have not watched Notre Dame this year. Um, they're different. They're built differently than they have been in years past. They're going to stop the run game, which they did in the first one. If you if you think Trevor Lawrence is that much of a difference maker over DJ, well, DJ had the second best performance of any Clemson quarterback this entire season outside of Trevor Lawrence versus Georgia Tech, who is an awful, awful team. So I like Notre Dame as my show bet uh, covering 10 and a half points. And my win bet, 
Browns Giants under 44 and a half. Daniel Jones is not going to play. Uh, Cole McCoy is going to be in there. The Browns look really, really great. And I, I think the whole weird Freddie Kitchens, Jason Garrett, who's going to call the plays on offense is, is going to be, um, it, it, they're just not going to score points no matter who's calling plays. And the Giants offense wouldn't score points as it is with Jason Garrett healthy, with Dalen Jones healthy. So uh, I am I am now on the, the Giants in my mind are trending down where it's a really, really tough game for them in prime time. And uh, I just can't see them scoring points. The Browns may just, you know, run the ball with their, their two backs and just kill the clock and it'll be under uh under 44 and a half there you have it all of our win play show bets the bet boost as schwartz mentioned eagles to cover plus six and a half down in arizona up to plus 110 get it at uh, fanduel.com slash minus three the word minus the number three get in on any and all of those that you may like there as you heard schwartz spaghetti is very raw and i don't know if it counts as passive aggressive or just plain aggressive but when he he doesn't like us picking against his teams he takes it personally and he thinks if you heard what he said there he's like if you think clemson is going to cover the 10 and a half that means you have an equal notre dame that's his shot at saying i've watched them more than you have I've seen plenty of Notre Dame. I have not seen every snap. I've not seen every game they've played this year, but I've seen plenty of no. All right. Uh, Yeah, I know you've made that clear. I think Clemson has, has more to prove in this one. And either way, Schwartz way in philosophically, but let me say this too. We have Ramon Foster coming up in just a little bit. And uh, that's going to be good to catch up with him. SEC guy um, from Tennessee, of course, toiled for the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. A lot of hand wringing in Pittsburgh about the, uh, the quality or lack thereof one year removed from Ramon Foster um, with that Steelers front and um, the ability to protect Ben Roethlisberger. So we'll get into all that stuff with him. But in the meantime, fellas, I do want to. I do want to. I'm not doing this to tweak spaghetti, but I I, I want to get your your proper thoughts on it. In my opinion, when you have a Final Four, the beauty of college football as structured is that every week is a soap opera, and when you lose a game, you then lose your claim to 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 say I but what we belong in a final four this is not a deep tournament there are only four teams that make the tournament and i know as wonky as 2020 has been there are fewer contenders for one of those slots but still by definition it is a championship it is a conference championship if you lose in the conference championship you've just lost a playoff game how it would make sense then to still then get the play in the next round of the playoffs Makes zero sense as far as I'm concerned. Anybody but that team that just lost a playoff game to another team that you're putting into the playoff. There, so of of all the teams in the country, one of the teams that just lost a playoff game to another team that's going to be in that final four is also going to be in that final four. Well, it makes Dave, no sense whatsoever. Here's the deal: as currently constructed, that logic is not how we do things, right? If it was, if we took the five power five conference champions plus one, then that your logic makes sense, right? You, you just win your conference and you're in. It's very, it's very simple, but that's not the structure right we're in right now. The structure we're in right now is we take the four best teams, whether or not they win the conference. And if you look around the college football right now, let's say Notre Dame, you know, they beat Clemson the first time and say they lose by under 10 and, and, and cover. I don't know how you argue that they're not one of the four best teams right now. It's not really about, Winning your conference, I, I'm actually moving, and I've been a, a big fan of the 14 playoff. I think it's I'm, I've never really seen an issue with it. I'm just like, all right, well, the four best teams, sure enough, mostly because 
My Pac-12 conference, in my opinion, has never deserved it, really, right? Outside the years we've been. I've never been like, Oregon should be in. Oh, we were 11-2 last year. We lost a game we shouldn't lose. Um, but it feels like, especially this year, the rankings, I don't know what's happening. They just don't seem to be validated with how football's going. And if you go to the structure of six playoff teams, right, you have the five Power Five conference winners plus one. The one we can debate what that one is, whether it's a group of five or the next best. Well, let me just say, I think that that's exactly what it should be. Eight is too many. I feel like that the perfect structure would be the five power conference teams plus a wild card. So in a given year, if, you know, given the wonkiness, the weirdness of this year, so then the wild card would be the loser of Clemson, Notre Dame. That would be one thing. Um, but when you only have four, these conference championship games, like I say, serve as a wild card round, if you will, of the playoffs. That's what they are. That's what that, that, that if they aren't that, then what purpose do they serve beyond just making money? And that's what, that's what they serve because I know, but, but, but they, they do exist. And so to treat them as though they're, they're not a bowl game, just a money-making opportunity. They, they, Given the structure, they should have more import than that. But anyway, continue, Schwartz. So that's that's why I think that if the way it's it's certainly structured now, I'd be fine. Notre Dame lost and made it. But if we go to a structure where it is six teams and you take the conference winners, then this would be a playoff game, right? You win this game, you know, USC, Oregon, you win that game. You have, you know, Oklahoma, Iowa State, whoever wins that game goes to the playoff. Obviously, Big Ten championship, you won't have to worry. And it's, it's a weird year. So, like, Ohio State being, what, 5-0, 6-0, they're in the playoff. In a normal year, it would all sort itself out. But this way, it also gives teams incentives that, like the Pac-12 Conference, for example, and again, I'm not saying that we deserve to be in the playoff. We definitely have not deserved that. And last year, Oregon would have been smoked by LSU. Again, I'm not saying we deserve to be in the playoff. But it does give that game more incentive, right? It makes it more important if it is for the playoff spot or Oklahoma, Iowa State for a playoff spot this weekend, which is clearly not. Um, And exactly, look, the SEC Championship game is a good example because if Alabama loses, they're still in the playoff. Like, Like The game is almost irrelevant so they lose that game, but you know, fluke things happen. You, you turn the ball That's four crazy. times. That's crazy. But Dave, they're, they're clearly the best in the country. If they lose to Florida, who is a good, not spectacular team, I listen. But, okay, what, I, I believe in, in in a meritocracy, and if they can't, if they lose a playoff game, which is what the conference championship is, yeah, I, it, it really doesn't make. Uh, it, it defies logic to say, oh, yeah, well, they're still in, though. I mean, what? Well, okay, well, here's – I'll give you an example. I'll give you just a okay, – what if what if we get a um, a poor officiating call? We get a weird fumble. Like, I think there's ways to look at this game. They lose by three points because there's a, a bad pass interference call and they lose a weird fumble, right? A guy, like, the ball just, like, squirts out somewhere and a guy picks it up and runs it in. Like, I think this is why, as we do it now, the eye test – is how we basically put these teams in in the playoff. Alabama is far superior. Like they would, I think they would be a fair. Then they shouldn't lose. Then they shouldn't lose. Then they shouldn't <laughs> lose to Florida. If, if, if it's a playoff game. It's, it's the but, but it's not. Well, but it's Raiders, not. But it's Raiders, not. But Dave, it's Raiders, not right now though. That's a point. It's the Raiders not. had the Raiders had the Steelers beat, and, they, and then they got that fluky immaculate reception. Like what? We're not going to put the Raiders into the but, next but, round. But, but, like yeah, no, we're not going to put Dave, the Raiders but, into but the next round. They the just lost the game. But that's not what the structure is right now. The structure is right now 
best teams. It's not who wins or loses what game. It's if we move to a different structure, then you don't, there's no argument to be made, right? It takes the, the human element out of it. You just win, you win your conference and you're in plain and simple right, right now. That's not what the structure is. The structure is four best teams. And you cannot tell me that if Alabama loses by three to Florida, they're not one of the four best teams in the country. I mean, I, again, <laughs> based on the deeds on the field, if Florida beats them head to head, what do you, what, what am I supposed to take Dave, away? There Dave, are not Dave, eight Dave, spots. They're not Dave. 12 spots There are four okay. spots. And if Florida beats them the week before the playoff begins, I think you've just, you, you, you've just left any claim Where's to, my... well, we, we still get to be in because we're Alabama and we were, we were so dominant. You know well, that everybody, I have, right? I have a... I have a real calculator here. I'm going to pull it up real quick because I'm going to count. The, okay. Alabama in, in the last six games, six and a half games, right? They allowed 24 points in the first half to Georgia. Since that time, they allowed zero the second half to Georgia, 17, zero, three, 13, 17, and three. I know, but you remember when the, remember when the Ravens remember when the Ravens were 14 and two and they were going to go to the Super Bowl, but then the Titans beat them. Nobody said, yeah, come on. Yeah, but that's not, but that's come not, you're talking they're, they're, about two different structures. The Ravens of, are of, better. You're talking but the about Ravens two different are, structures. You're talking about, I, I think the Ravens are, were better last year than the Titans. It's just the structure of the NFL playoffs is the Titans beat them. So they moved on. I'm just like, trying to apply some merit based on what we've seen most recently to to this tournament it's crazy that these that that we pick and choose which games should count against or benefit anyway i don't know spaghetti gets very upset about this but of course he's not he's a bad actor right now because he knows that if his irish lose under my uh, under in my reality at least notre dame wouldn't go to the final four if they lose i'm not even mad about them they have their, their whole thing is so weird. They're not even an ACC team, but it's like applying your logic. And I agree with everything Jeff has said. It's like, what is Northwestern going to get in because they beat Ohio State? It's like it's so it's ridiculous. What? If Northwestern beats Ohio State, then of course they should go to the final four. Oh, of course. That's come on. That's so that's 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 worthless. You're not even watching the best team. The San Diego out in, in Chargers the, the went to four. the Super Bowl. Nobody thought the San Diego Chargers in 1994 right. were the were, were one of the best teams in pro football, but they still did by virtue of winning a sequence of playoff games. That's how you cool. We'll have an Iowa State, USC, Florida, and Northwestern. I get four. it. We'll it's unsatisfying, that. right? It would be unsatisfying, but that's uh that's what happens when you play one game tournament games like that. Then and, and it's kind of already right there in front of us, and yet we 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 ignore it because we don't like some of the results. Wow. Well, that was an upset, but we still like they're Alabama. We know they're still good. I mean, the the worst one ever is still, and that was a different time, and it was a decade ago, but Oklahoma State and Stanford not getting a shot at LSU and instead sending Bama, giving them another shot at LSU in the two-team head-to-head championship game is one of the most ludicrous things I, I, I've i seen in sports, for real. That they got, well, to Schwartz's logic, like, oh, there's a bad snap. Like, yeah, but the kid missed a couple of kicks. Like, yeah, that happened in a football game. Yeah, that, that means that they lost. He's on the team, right? He missed the kicks. That's what happens. I, I, I Scott Norwood missed the kick. You know, like uh, that's why the Giants got the Super but this, Bowl. But, this, like, but the different format. I get what you're saying, Dave. But you're arguing for a format that does not exist in college football right now. I mean, but my my pushback on that is it does exist. We're just refusing to accept the results of it because we want the better matchup. We want the we want the juicier matchup. 
whenever we can get it. And we, so we, we go against what our eyes, what, what the game result has just shown us. Let, let's ask Ramon Foster, who is now joining us. What do you think? Oh, about Ramon Foster is here. Okay, perfect. Oh. Well, I was talking a little uh, SEC here. Maybe he can join us. How <clears> are you, Ramon? Big fan. Man, I appreciate you guys having me on here. Do I sound clear? I'm okay. Very That's nice. Fantastic. Very so. good. All right, you know what? Let's just jump right into it. We have uh, we have a lot to talk about with you, Ramon, and uh, we're talking about this four team playoff in college football. I assume as a, uh, a as a volunteer, you lean SEC. Is that right? You know what? Uh, I do lean SEC. I'm always going to root for them. But I heard you talking a little bit while I was in the waiting room about the way this playoff system has worked. I'll say this: they're going through the same transition right now that the BCS did. And that in itself is a problem. If people are begging again for the BCS or to say, hey, we got to fix this thing up. I, uh, I was reading Kirk Herbstreit a second ago. He has two sons actually at Clemson and said, why are we playing college football if we know that 98 percent of the teams aren't going to make it into the college football playoffs? That to me is uh, the biggest issue. And I agree. Yeah, I do want to see Ohio State. I do want to see when Michigan is good. I want to see Alabama. I want to see your Georgias, your Floridas. But what is the rest of the world doing? We're just waiting on them to get there. So uh, not to say that I'm pushing for my team. or Truth be told, Cincinnati has a a, 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 a conversation to be had. But I feel like you guys know, like I know, they would probably still get drugged. It's just a simple fact, though, that – if we had the opportunity to see them play, then we can say, you know what? Let's not do this again. I think we saw, well, who was it with UCF? They did the same thing. Like, we don't want to see is, You are exactly right. The idea that, like, well, we know that the second best team in the SEC would kill uh, Cincinnati or Coastal yeah. Carolina. It's like, but they're in the, the – it, it would be the same as saying yeah. that it's, it's the equivalent of the NFL saying, like, yeah. Yeah, we know that whoever wins the NFC East gets a playoff spot. Well, let's not send them. That's that's not right. It's the equivalent of saying that they're in the same division of college football. They're yeah. all Division One A teams, but we're going to exclude them because our eyes have told us otherwise. It's yeah, ludicrous. Okay. So here's so okay. Ramon went to Tennessee. They might have had, they might have had higher standards than, <laughs> than, than Oregon did. Okay, but the idea that the seat your season is only good if you make a playoff is absolutely ludicrous. I'll give you a good example. I'll give you Oregon last season. Okay, Oregon last season. Oregon goes twelve and two last year in Mark Cristobal's first season. Uh, second season, they win the Pac-12 conference and they beat a Wisconsin team that was really good in the Rose Bowl. That, in my opinion, is a better season than getting drugged by LSU in the playoff. You, you know what, Jeff? I'm, I'm with you, but the amount, I, I, I'll go around the world a little bit in a sense, the amount of money that's being made for these guys, when you take away the significance of how big the bowl games have gotten, at least with the BCS system, we said, man, we're going to a BCS bowl, the, the Sugar Bowl. We're right. going to a BCS Bowl that when it was a Chick-fil-A Bowl, I guess, in a sense. Now, when you say it's not a watch, no, it's not a watch because guess what? I get an opportunity to put my tape out there. I get an opportunity to say, hey, this is my walking resume of me making it to the NFL. But when we get to the latter part of the season, or let's say the ability to opt out, which we saw this year, why are we giving these kids the opportunity to play when they can say, you know what? I'm going to walk out if I have to, and if I can, I'm not going to ruin it with the uh, Bahamas Bowl or or the I don't want to disrespect any of the bowls. There's no there's no telling where <laughs> we're going to be. Uh, maybe we're hosting one of those. But what I'm saying is 
if the if, if the season ends at the middle of November, we're playing a, a bowl game December 13th. That's probably not a game that I'm really going to be playing in if I'm a high prospect. So to say that it's not a wash, no, it's not. But I'm not going to commit myself if I'm a first round draft pick to go to those bowl games. Look what Bosa did. I mean, yeah. there are so many guys that's opting out right now. That's one of the conversation pieces we've had on, on our radio show, Jay, Jay Martin and Ramon, was, look, if I'm the guy, I'm probably going to opt out. The tackle from Oregon. Yeah, what did yeah, he do yeah. this year? It he's was out. A, He's out. So how do we hold these kids this NCA, which seems like it's about to just crumble, it's going to yeah. crack. I know we complained about them adding more teams to the uh, to March Madness, but it could probably work out. The school's going to get more exposure. Right now, there is no attachment to a bowl games unless it's the top four teams. Heck, I love the Chick Fil A Bowl, not for the food, but like it was like a pro- <laughs> it was a prime time bowl in a sense. Why am I playing in it right now? That's the biggest issue. Boy, I never really put two and two together. There, the the former Peach Bowl which is a healthy uh, yes. choice to eat a peach, <laughs> then gave way to the Chick-fil-A bowl. So eating Chick-fil-A less healthy. I know that, that really is a statement. It, it's symbolic of society in a way. Uh, but the old bowl games, I, I just said, uh, just to round it up, I, I think I'm beating a dead horse a little bit here, but the old way, I, I feel like we're in a, an oddly unsatisfying no man's land, which is, you know, when I was growing up, it was all about it was opinion polls, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which they should just do away with. I think everybody now agrees with me what I've said for a quarter century. Now, preseason polls are the are the enemy. That's the thing that that gets in your brain. And when you decide, oh, that team lost a game, its first game of the season, but we had mm-hmm. them at number one before mm-hmm. the season started, so we have to keep them in the top five. Like that's nonsense. But yeah. That that progressive nature of the like we're gonna vote on you if you lose a game it make the yeah. value of every game so monstrously big and then you went to your various bowls and on New Year's Eve night or New Year's New Year's Day night you put your head on the pillow and you knew who the best team in the country was and it was voted on by uh, by the media and the coaches I felt that was just as satisfying as what we're getting now with these nonsense. Um, yeah, Clemson lost to Notre. Well, put them in anyway. Like, well, we already saw them lose to the other team. Why? They're only anyhow. Um, but I can can I can I can I interview? Please, I want you to. Re- I just don't want to beat a dead horse too much. Here. So okay, you say that it's not really beating a dead horse when you have the uh, American Athletic Conference AD. What was it Michael Oresco come out and yeah. criticize it? Did y'all talk about that just yet? No, I, no, he basically wants the BCS to come back. Yeah, and, and you know what? He has really good reasons. It worked I mean, well. A school in his conference got knocked two spots and pushed up by some, pushed out of the way for other teams that had losing records. Okay. And go, go ahead, Jeff. I just, I just, I maybe we're being elitist because we went to big time schools, but like the, the BCS did allow like TCU and Utah mm-hmm. back in the day to go play in these big bowl games, but I don't know why, like. When, when when I went to school again, I I went to Oregon. You know, I thought we would be a you know, Rose Bowl team every now and then. We yeah. do this and that. You're not going to Cincinnati to win a championship. Like that's not why you're going there. Like I don't know why it's assumed that like that all these schools now all of a sudden 
are playoff teams. They're they're not. They, no one goes to Cincinnati thinking I'm going to win a championship. They go there for the coaching staff and for the conference and for the, you know the the facility and the swag and maybe it's their best offer they had. I don't know what it is, but no one's going there thinking like we're going to win a championship this year. Why are we like all of a sudden like they deserve a championship, a, a chance at a championship? They're not going to beat Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State in two straight games. I don't know why we think it's going to happen. Why do we I'd have rather to see get, this? Now, listen, I'd rather get drafted by the Packers than the Bengals. But if I get drafted by the Bengals, I'm still in the same league, aren't I? Is Utah? Is they're Boise not, they're not the same sports. Stop comparing the sports, Dave. They're is not the same sports. Carolina is called. Are they? Are they in the same? Division are they in the same not. theoretical bracket? Yeah, they are though. They 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 do get the <laughs> Coastal Carolina will get to go play in the Chick Fil A Bowl against the <laughs> SEC team, but they aren't allowed into the Final Four, even though they're unblemished. And Florida, well, but they lost to a good team. So yes, that matters. Oh, it matters. Jeff, Your schedule matters. But but the point, Jeff. All I'm saying is this about uh about a school like Cincinnati or Coastal Carolina is this. Look. One of my favorite movies I like to watch is Napoleon Dynamite. And all Uncle Rico wanted was to just go back to 1986, okay? <laughs> just to show them if he had a play, they would have won state. That's all we want to see. We want to see the Uncle Ricos out there, okay? See if they can win state. That's, but you, that's, but, that's but, it. But, but numbers show, especially for the – for the NCAA tournament, that people don't watch Loyola Chicago play Kansas State in the Final Four. They watch Duke play North Carolina. Like that's the th- like we we love the upsets in the first two rounds, but then we want the big dogs: North Carolina, Kentucky, all these you know uh, uh, UCLA, Duke. All those we want those teams okay. to play in the Elite Eight. We don't want Loyola Chicago. It's a good story one time every every ten years, but no one watches those games. Like the oh. idea that 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 a game against Ohio State, Alabama, which would be a fantastic contest. You know, mm-hmm. five stars everywhere, four stars future pro guys people want to watch that no one wants to watch alabama play cincinnati okay. everyone be turned it off after a half oh okay jeff you say that put you on <laughs> cincinnati's team are you mad that you're not playing in it or you're not no not are you mad that you're being disrespected by being jumped by three two oh, lost so, teams so be it like that's that's what this system is I, remote you're not going uh, we all feel disrespected at times. I've been yeah. on, I was I was on the fifth ranked Oregon team that did not make a BCS bowl because of okay. some weird convoluted rules where Notre Dame was in the top twelve, so they went and then the top four. It was some weird thing. We didn't go to BCS bowl. Okay, we played Oklahoma, great team. We got our asses kicked in the Holiday Bowl. Like I felt bad at the time, but then I was like I sucked it up and played in the Holiday Bowl. Like I, yeah. I don't like. Not every, not everything's fair in life. Like again, you don't go to Cincinnati thinking like we're going to win a championship or Coastal Carolina. You want to win your conference, playing a good bowl game, beat be a team. But you're not going there thinking I'm winning the championship. This is but so George, silly. Well, that, that's a, a nonsense point you're making. <laughs> I didn't go to Cincinnati. No, it's not a nonsense point. Therefore, therefore, I'm not eligible because I voided well, my well, right. I don't care. My undefeated team okay, so, doesn't so, so, deserve okay. a shot. So, so you want a championship? Okay. So, so Dave, so Dave, you have a right championship. Between Alabama, what? you could have Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State is your top four. Instead, you want to put an undefeated Coastal, undefeated Cincinnati, and one loss BYU, like because they just played a shitty fucking schedule. Care. What are you talking about? No, no. no, what do I want? No, of course I want. But you're arguing for that. You're arguing best schedule. They're twelve no. and zero. Oh, because I believe in merit. Because if they're undefeated, then they're undefeated. That's what I'm arguing. Okay, so, so what's the difference between? Okay, so. So, so Notre Dame, Notre Dame has one loss against Clemson in this pseudo playoff game. They've run, they've already beat Clemson. They've been other ranked teams. They put a tough schedule of a power five conference team. They have one loss 
but they're out. But you take Coastal Carolina, who's being one BYU team, and they're in. Like, no. what, are, what are you talking we're, about? We're not saying that. I think that I, I think what we're arguing is there should be more. There should be. I, I, I agree with you. Do we? I, I don't want to see Cincinnati in that. What? Well, maybe I do kind of want to see Cincinnati because yes, why? that's exactly I, right. I like a little bit of edginess in this, okay, Jeff? You can't you can't fault me for that. But what I'm saying is this. The argument probably isn't about should that do they deserve to be in the top four. The argument may be do they deserve to be in the top six or top eight, and that's where we get a chance to fine tune, find find comb this, to fine tooth comb this thing on out. Top eight of of nothing, like they're going to be in a in, in a power five bowl game, like then like it's like it's I I, I get the point that they but think again it's again and I, and I think that's fair in this context to say hey they dropped two spots and they shouldn't have right it's not their yeah. fault they didn't play this weekend. Right. I'm fine with that argument. That's a valid, but the idea that like Dave's argument that oh Notre Dame if they lose this weekend they're out with one loss, like, like it's not, a playoff bro. game. It's a conference championship game by definition. Game. It's a playoff game. If you lose it, you void any claim <laughs> to moving on to the next round. We're not casting a movie. I understand. No. You talk like you talk like you're a movie producer, Schwartz. Like what's the best? What's the mo- the, 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 the most current, dynamic head to head that'll Dave, get the most Dave, butts the in the current, seat? I don't care. That's not my concern. The current system we're in, the current system we're in is a system that is eye test. It's a four best teams. If we want to move to a different system, which is the argument that I'm here to have, I'm agreeing with you. We should go to a different system where we have conference winners. And yes, there's no need for these arguments because you win the conference you're in. But that's not the system we're in. You're arguing, Dave, for something that we're not doing right now. You, You know why it's not the system we're in? Because the Big money. Ten, yes, that and the Big Ten changed their rules because why? They want their they want their million dollar baby in of the course. show. Of course, I would too. If I was the Pac twelve, I wish we changed our rules to get everyone in, but we don't do anything like that. And, and Ramon, I'm with you hundred because when Boise State or whoever it is, Utah, a decade ago or whatever, Boise it was, State be who? Who was it? Oklahoma? 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 Yeah, Oklahoma. When, yeah. when you when you're on the, I, I say. Like I'm, then let them play Bama and let ba- Bama beat them 117 negative three. If that's the if that's the result, if nothing else, shorts to your side of things. If you see that for the next half decade at least, no one would say like we should send Coastal Carolina. If that was the result, right. then Cincinnati and uh, Coastal Carolina and everybody else that would be their big come to Jesus moment and be like, yeah. oh yeah, we should not. Please don't send us to that. We're out of our depth with that. But let's see it. It's, it's like Hoosiers. We like to talk about movies. We like seeing Hoosiers because it was a big upset. That's I, I agree. It's unlikely yeah. to happen, but you're premising everything Schwartz on like, wow, the, the networks wouldn't like it. What are the rate? Well, that's not why I know that so, was like uh, my if, 17th point of this argument. If, if anything, this, this ends the conversation where we have the guys that back in my day, or if we had a, this cancels them out because if you put them in the show with an Alabama, with, with a Clemson, uh, with an Ohio state, you know what? We can't have that conversation no more. You know how many guys I've run across and was like, remember when we were in high school? No, I don't remember when we were in high school. And we can't do that block over again. So guess what? That's what this does for us, Jeff. Um, all right, let's talk about Ramon because I don't want to hold you up too long. I do want to talk because we're keep movies keep being invoked here, and I do have a movie related question for you. All right, let's um, go. and also, you know what, Ramon, <clears throat> do you like to eat food? 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, I played offensive line. I had I to work my butt off to, to keep my way down. So, yeah, absolutely. Let's go. Maybe. OK, maybe we could have a little food block here. But quickly, because I don't want time to expire on us here. You, of course, toiled in front of Big Ben Roethlisberger mm-hmm. for a uh, for a long stretch there. And now a lot of hand wringing going on. And the question is, I guess, basically to boil it down to this, the Steelers offensive struggles, mm-hmm. offensive line related or Ben Roethlisberger related. Ooh, you put me on Because I don't think right it's there. it. Or, or you know what? Option three, Randy Feekner, Ben Roethlisberger, offensive scheme uh, Man, issue. So it's one of those three, I would think. It could be a um, – I don't think the issue has been, I will say that. Uh, this past game, man, just watching them play against Buffalo – Ben was putting the ball and against Washington, Ben was putting the ball right where it needed to be. Like it literally was hitting guys in their hands. And I I, I put it in the group chat. I was just like, man, a lot can be said about this game. But Ben is actually throwing the ball really, really well. It was like spot on to where I guess they were so used to catching and running that it just of course they lead the league in drops right now. That could lead to the issue. But I don't think it's Ben in a sense um, as far as to say, well, his play is this. Um I will say this, the creativity of offenses in the NFL for the ones that are really good uh, may have surpassed Pittsburgh in a sense. Uh, It started with, hey, Sean McVay, L.A. Rams. It started with a little bit of San Francisco. You look at what Kansas City is doing, which you can't really compare. And honestly, if we're going to parallel any connection to either one of those, look at Tampa and look at Pittsburgh. Two teams that are doing straight dropbacks, throws, getting the ball out into space to try to get the athletes going, and it's just not the way the league is anymore in a sense. Ben is not a runner in what he used to be. Now, every team that's doing well got a quarterback that's capable of being able to run the ball also. I think that's why Dallas has some of the woes that it has right now. Dak extended plays to be able to help Dallas out because why? He uses feet. Any young quarterback that's in the game right now coming into this league is not going to be your drop back. Even the most prized pony of them all coming out in this draft, Trevor Lawrence, is a runner. Uh, the the gadgets, well, he can run. Um, the I don't want to say the gadgets of what they're doing, but the undressing of defenses, the way they send guys in motions now, the way uh, the offense is more spread out. I think Pittsburgh, I heard somebody else kind of say this when I looked at it, the offense seems to be a little compact. I say that it's funny. I'm not uh, Pat. Well, I am Pat myself on the back because that's my, to my eyeball, that's what it looks like. When they need a play, they pack it in. There's something about Roethlisberger that likes that. And it's weird because he, it it seems to limit what he can do. I, I think literally that's why they got away from the RPO stuff because I think he has a hard time literally gripping the ball and throwing it in, the quick timing that's required of it. What? No, they they've abandoned that, but they no, they haven't. They haven't well, but they don't go back to the they don't go to the pre snap motion and everything else. Well, yeah. the, the thing as even Roethlisberger himself says, the RPO doesn't work terribly well for them because he very rarely leaves it in the running back's belly. That that yeah. it, it's not very deceptive when you know He's that, throw that the QB's it. keeping it. Yeah, and, and, and I think those things are the reasons why the offense has kind of struggled a little bit, and and it's. Um, I'll never criticize guys. Well, you guys should be pushing the line more. You, I, I know Booger said it on TV. Like they're yeah. soft. Like, no, we're not going to say that. Okay, I think it's a little bit of. I'll say a guy that's, that's played in that offense, uh, played on that team. The mindset of smashing faces is what you lived and died by. Yeah. Like we would line up, 
And truth be told, teams have known what we're going to run for the longest, at least five to seven years. And we would tell them, yeah, the ball is coming right here. Stop it. Because why? They couldn't. And now teams have found ways to do that. or They, they know the tendencies of what you're going to do. And you got to kind of switch it up a little bit more. And to, to expect it to happen over these next three regular season games, I doubt that's going to happen. It's just it comes down now to a, a will of pushing guys through if you have to or making the plays that's got to be made. I think uh, another aspect of, you know, the running game is this. I've heard offensive coordinators say it. I've heard analysts say it. I've heard everybody kind of say this. Those uh, quick outs to the wide receivers are like runs. So when you live in that world a little bit, you got a guy like Ben who don't mind throwing the ball. He'll tell you this. He enjoys doing it. Also, that's what you get yourself into is when those don't work, okay, now it's long down in distances. Now we're getting off the uh, off the field with a three and out. That's what we're seeing happen right now more than anything. It's just a matter of finding what works and sticking with it and not being so obvious sometimes. So I've said this about the run game, and I think you agree with me here, and you guys have talked about a little bit here, is that it's almost always from shotgun, and so it limits the the types of runs Action. you can have. Right, If the back is next to you, it can only go a couple ways. You can toss to him front side, then hand off inside zone. Mm-hmm. But Ben doesn't keep the ball. He's not a threat with his leg, so the defense can key in now on – on the run plays, I, I saw yeah. even the, against Buffalo, they got under center a couple times, started run duo a little bit. So I feel like it's more schematic in the run game. Like, it is. Like, they didn't forget how to run block all of a sudden. No, they didn't. I, I mentioned this in an article I wrote, uh, I write for a, uh, a paper in Pittsburgh. Well, an online paper in Pittsburgh is this. Pittsburgh isn't an outside zone team. No. They don't have the lineman for it right now. They're not a toss team. Can they crack with the tight ends and get outside the line of scrimmage? Yes, they can, but that's not their forte. You have a team like uh, like like can, uh, my bad, uh, San Francisco that do those type of runs. Pittsburgh isn't. If you're going to do anything, move a guy in motion. I think the jet sweep has kind of run this course a little bit in Pittsburgh too because that was something they were trying to do also. But uh, truth be told, until they, they, they transition to either another offense or they start moving guys in or out and just finding ways to be more creative, they simply got to say, you know what? Three, three downs in a row, we're going to run the ball. And we don't care how we get the yards. We're just going to do it. Uh, I don't know if I've seen DeCastro pull as much as he has in years past this year. Um, but it, it really comes down to a mindset and just sticking to it. I know Ben loves to throw, and he's, he's damn good at it. But this time of the year, playoff ball is approaching. If you can't close out games or at least impose your will on people, you're going to find yourself home like, soon and this is too good of a team to, to, to be put in that situation we're a pro uh shoot it out with the chiefs to some degree uh podcast here we're not like uh, play keep away from patrick mahomes that's how you're gonna beat the chiefs in january do you think in the short term meaning the next whatever four to six weeks of football action can the steelers make some hay or are we being overly optimistic? I, I'm with you. I think they lack a progressive nature uh, yeah. philosophically, given Roethlisberger's limitations, what he wants to do. I think he's probably calling the shots more than Feekner is. Can they make hay over the course of these playoffs upcoming? And are they in a no man's land in 2021, assuming Roethlisberger's back? Is he going to sign off on yeah, the Feekner thing is not working. We've got to do something to update this offense and bring it into the 21st century. Um, do you think they're in trouble short and long-term, or is any of this fixable? Um, I think it's all fixable, and I'll say this too. Um, 
they Pittsburgh is in a better spot when they're underdogs, when their back's against the wall. When you, I, I'll tell anybody this. The best Ben is when you piss Ben off. If you hit Ben, knock him to the ground, you, you get him, say, hey, you can't do this. You can't do this. That's why he was so adamant on coming back this year when he hurt his elbow. It's like, I'm out to prove all you wrong. And, and maybe they got a little bit comfortable with winning games. Watching the game was a little weird. They've had the craziest schedule out of everybody. Not a true bye week. Um, I do think it's fixable. Um, and you talk about still in the short term as far as challenging uh, Kansas City. Kansas City is a team that's really kind of playing very dangerous, too. They're playing close enough to where, and I think it was you, Jeff, that kind of brought it up. And I looked at some of the scores like, yes, they can score at will, but their defense is still, their stats are still yeah. pretty bad. Um, they're giving up a lot, but they're an opportunist type of defense. Honey Badger finds a way to get a pick. Yeah. Chris Jones up front finds a way to get a sack. They find a way to get a turnover. The ball bounces a certain way for them. But if you find the right team that plays the right defense against them to slow them down enough, you got something, man. And I know Pittsburgh has lost Bud, um, but Pittsburgh still got Cam up the middle. They still got Tua up the middle, still a headache. And the Highsmith kid, he didn't do bad. He's not Bud, and you don't expect him because he's a rookie. But just overall, I think they still got a shot. If you know him like I know, Ben is going to go to Randy and say, hey, Randy, we got to do this. The boys up front want to do this. We got to put ourselves in these type of situations to make us successful. And Mike Tomlin is going to continue to go off on that team and saying, hey, I don't care what you thought we were. If we don't fix this, y'all asses is going to be sitting home in early January. <laughs> yeah. Like, as, cool, as much as people call him a player's coach, when he gets to, like, football – like he tells everybody, I don't care what you got going on outside of this building. When you walk through those door, walk through those doors, I want all football. Like playing on Christmas, yeah. So what? We got a football game to play. Playing on Thanksgiving, we don't care. We're here to play football, and all of these little accolades and just notoriety you get is because of this damn game. And that's what I've always loved about. It's right around this time two years ago, and you were there for this, where things were really going uh, south. Lost to, lost in Mile High, nice. lost in Oakland, all that. And all of a sudden, there was no wiggle room left, and it felt like, man, this thing is tracking in the wrong direction, and we got to beat the Saints to make the play. Well, that's not going to happen. No, nobody can beat the Saints. And you went down there, and you really had them beat. There was had a bad him. call on a Joe Bi- on a Joe Hayden, uh, Joe Biden, Joe Hayden. Uh, <laughs> that would be fun to see Joe Hay- Joe Biden try to cover uh, Michael uh, Thomas. But either way, Joe Hayden gets anyway. The bad thing, fumble from Juju, all that, and the the Antonio Brown uh, melodrama began from that point forward. But if you mm-hmm. win that game, I really legitimately feel like that Steelers team was was really going to be a scary proposition for anyone in 2018 in uh, in that postseason. Do you feel like that's uh, is Tomlin somehow able to flip that switch? Like he, I think it, it gets tired at some point. I can't imagine that grown men respond constantly to like, man, we got our backs against the wall, and the standard is the standard, and all that kind of no. stuff. But it does seem like Tomlin is good at pushing those buttons for for <clears throat> professional athletes. He is. Uh, I'll tell anybody, man. He gets you. He coaches you on a personal level. He coaches you on a professional level, too. And the thing I've always appreciated about him was this. 
Everybody has their deficiencies, and he's not going to judge you on them. He's going to judge you on what you do do well. And we're going to minimize everything that you don't do well inside the team concept. If a guy is a guy that makes it happen, he does this well, guess what? We're going to him for for those specific reasons, man. And he he, he honestly has a way to pull it out of you, and he treats you – one, it's going to sound weird that I got to say this, but he treats you like a man first. Like – all right, you do this, 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 and that. He doesn't hover you. He doesn't find a way to say, hey, if you don't do this, you're going to lose your job. Like, no. Nah. He put guys in those situations where he holds everybody accountable. Maybe other coaches do it too. But if somebody's having an issue with something, hey, on this play, we didn't do this. Fix it. And he'll leave it right there. Next week, you don't do it. Guess what? Out. That's just how it goes with him. And you mentioned like drinking the Kool-Aid with him. It's because when he gives you the amount of freedom that we've seen guys have from AB to a guy like Hines to Joey Porter on his staff to still Juju being able to do his stuff. It's because those guys handle stuff on the field first. So go do that as long as you walk through those doors. So when he it's time for him to tighten the vice grips, to put his head and put you in a chokehold like, hey, I asked you to do this because of those freedoms he give you. He'll allow you in Pittsburgh, which is not a big market city. It's great with football. But when he he, he decides he's going to tighten the vice grip and say, hey, we got to do this. Lock it in. Now you do because of those freedoms, because of how he approaches you as a man first before anything else. Man, that's the beauty of being there under him. I don't even like he's a nerd about getting stuff out of folks, man. He's just he's damn good at it. Hmm. So you mentioned uh, about know, three questions ago about finishing games, right? And you talked about kind of your old Steelers mentality of finishing games. And you mentioned the Chiefs as well. I sense a problem with Kansas City. I'd like you to talk about this because you've been yeah. on teams that have finished well. Yeah. The Chiefs don't finish games well. I mean, they win the game, but they're up 30-10 against the Dolphins and they kind of limp to the finish line. Yeah. Limp to the finish line against the, the Raiders and the Bucks and the Panthers. And so is this something that can, can bite them in the playoffs? Or do you think they're just kind of waiting till the playoffs – to get going, but I kind of worry that in the playoffs, you just can't do that. You know, you can't do that. And that's why I said like they're playing a dangerous game when it comes to this time of the year to start doing that type of stuff. All it takes is one team on the run. We saw what Tennessee did last year. Like you, that's all you need. Or you, you have somebody that's catching momentum at the right time. And you know what they, you decide, all right, we're going to pull off a little bit. Well, guess what? Some teams don't know how to stop when you let them back in the game. Um, I like the dynamics of Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, man. Like they are just looking at their, their, their skill guys. Damn good. Even their offensive line, like your brother, just from Eric Fisher finally coming on to be the guy they thought he was going to be. They, they have a lot of those things and they hadn't even started using Le'Veon the way they should. I know he's here and there, but they're, you don't want to play that. The NFL is a, all right, catch me if you can type of league. And when they catch you, they don't let go. Kansas City is showing some stuff as of late that's putting them in a bind when it's time to start finishing those games out. I guess the the trickeration of what they do um, to be able to have Cheetah on the outside just running plays the way he wants to. There's some team right now, and I like to think it was Pittsburgh because I've been around Coach Tomlin and Keith Butler, that's just sitting back in a dark room watching every single thing that they're doing. And you know that happens. That's why it's hard to judge young quarter, uh, young quarterbacks because you give the lead three or four years. We saw this at RG three. He took the storm, took the league by storm. 
Okay, we've seen that. We we've seen them kind of uh, box um, 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 Kyler Murray in a little bit more. We've seen that happen. Just all across, you give it time. You let it breathe for a little bit. Lamar is another guy that if you don't evolve with this league, they will find a way to shut you down. And I'm not saying nobody's going to stop Kansas City, but what I'm saying is there's a team out there right now sitting in a dark room with uh, full of analysts and scouts that's breaking down, okay, when they hit the third quarter, this is what we do to them. And that's the game yeah. that they, if you're going to mash somebody, you step on their neck and don't let it up because everybody's projecting them to be the Super Bowl winner. But it's a bunch of nerds and smart players in this league that says, hey, when they do this, we're going to do this. And that's what they don't want to do. By the way, I feel like and Levy and Bell, obviously you were around him and around all that uh, melodrama as well. Yeah, when that was when that was going down. And I feel like. He he was a little bit of pigskin Goldilocks in Pittsburgh. He was getting too many carries, in his opinion. That Kansas City game in the frigid rain or whatever, he yeah. didn't like the usage that he got with his groin and all that and everything. He had too much usage there. Then not enough usage uh, in the next place. I thought this was going to be a good spot for him. And now he's kind of making some noise. And this is a Super Bowl contender. Obviously, they're the defending champs. But I also think that he's right in this case. I think they're better off with 26 than they are with CEH going forward. I think he yeah. does deserve maybe split usage, if not more touches yeah. than, that, than the rookie has. How say you? You know what? It's, if Le'Veon said that about overuses in Pittsburgh, that's something that blows my mind because honestly, Coach Tomlin and his staff used to have to tell Le'Veon, no, you got to get off the field. Like we got to save you. We got to preserve you. Like, those were the things that we had to tell him while he was playing with us in Pittsburgh. So that's kind of wild that that's the case if he ever had said he something never, like well, that. I, I, let me just say, he didn't say it, he but I quoted that, and then he liked it when I said it on Twitter. <laughs> that's, that's my evidence. Levy and Bell, but I mean, listen, but, why would he like it if he didn't agree with it? I know, that's true, but it, it, I, it was my understanding that he didn't want anybody getting carries but him, which is why he wanted to be the third down back. Um, but moving forward to um, to Kansas City, if Andy Reid is who I think he is, he finds Edwards Alaire out there on the field and you put Le'Veon in the slot and you let him do work there. When he initially went there, I didn't expect Le'Veon to be a runner, the runner is what I'm saying. Um, I expected Le'Veon to be the slot guy, line him up in the backfield, motion him out. That's his special. But I guess when you got Cheetah out there, I guess – you don't necessarily need him to do that. And you're right. You're starting to see signs of him. I thought Le'Veon has always been the back with the more you give him, the better he does over time. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that would be, uh, I don't know. I, I'm in a good spot with Le'Veon since we talked after the Jets game last year. And he is, I, I thought, was the workhorse type more than anything. So if he's number one, RB number one right now in Kansas City, that's a good thing for him. I just expect um, um, the, Andy Reid to do more in the passing game with him because that's where he would just mm-hmm. break you yeah. down. And you know it, too. He's very dynamic in that, man. And he prides himself on being a catcher like that, too. I think the, the issue is that with him rushing the football is, is Andy Reid does not care about rushing the football. So you're never going to get him into a rhythm. Like, there's never going to be a thing yeah. where, you know, where with you guys, you know, you run – you run duo and you run yeah. you run power encounter in the first quarter, second quarter, you get four or five yards, two yards in. By the third quarter, you're getting seven, eight, nine. By the fourth quarter, you bust out a 25-yard run. That's yeah. not the Chiefs offense. They don't do that. Yeah. Like they they run RPOs and quick passing game as part of the run game. Like they literally mm-hmm. view that 
as an extension of the run game. And you're not going to get him 25 carries in a game. It's not what they do. And I think with yeah. with the way Andy Reid has set things up, would you rather have Le'Veon Bell in the slot or would they have Nicole Hardman? I think he would rather have wide receivers in that spot yeah. than Le'Veon Bell. He, he would. And, you know, just speaking about the, the, the way Kansas City runs the offense as far as the runs, too, um, maybe they want to slow down a little bit more just so they can start closing out games. Like I said, with us, we knew Le'Veon wasn't the home run runner. Like he was a guy, like you said, that's going to break you down. If he, we got him to the second level and the safety's coming down, that stick his foot in the, in the ground and, and just cross people over, that's what they're going to need out of him, man. So if that's not Andy's means of, of, of operating, I figure at some point during this playoff run, he's got to get him. Like, you know what? I love all of you guys. Travis, Kelsey, every single one of you guys. Hard, I love you, okay? But Le'Veon's going to win us this game. Uh, I, I think that would be great for him and great for that team also because, again, I mentioned it a second ago, their defense is holding up the bottom end of the rankings when we start look, looking at stuff. I, 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 I think that's exactly right. I, I, I hear you, Schwartz. I defer to you on all these uh, Chiefs-related mash- matters especially, but I do think that there is something to be said for, to your point about them not finishing games, is Turn it over to 26, a dozen touches in the fourth quarter yeah, in a row, it, slow it down not, and just, just grind it that's out. Just, it's just and not he never, what Andy and he does. Ne- it's I not hear what Andy you, but does. He, and the like, other thing is he never fumbles the ball. That's the other thing. But they don't have like every time they need a yard, though, their offensive line, that's not what they do. Like That's not like what they're built to do. And, you know, it's third and three. Would you rather have Pat Mahomes with the ball or would you rather have Le'Veon Bell with the way the Chiefs are set up? And the way they're set up is Pat Mahomes. You'd rather have him with the ball. I mean, fourth and one uh, against the Dolphins. There was no surprise. They were not going to they were not going to run that ball. Yeah. They're going to pass the ball. And they got like 37 yards on fourth and one. And that's what this offense is. So I never thought Le'Veon Bell would change their offense. I said all along. I think he'd be a helpful addition. And we're seeing him in, in small bits and pieces yeah. help when, when he's in there. But I just never thought he would change much of what the offense does. Couple more things, real quick, Ramon. We've uh, we've kept you. We appreciate all the time. No problem. Best, um, quick food block here. Holiday edition. Christmas is upon us, as you know. Yeah. Best holiday food. Win place show. You've got you've got Christmas. Obviously, a lot of cookies, a lot of sweets out at mm-hmm. uh, at at that. I think that's really the star. Is there a Christmas food beyond? All the sugar cookies and everything. There's not like a main course, but Thanksgiving you get the turkey and the mm-hmm. stuffing and everything else. July Fourth you get the barbecue. Yeah. Um. Yeah. At uh, St. Patrick's Day you get the corned beef and the potatoes and the and all that stuff. Win place show holiday food. Schwartz, you can uh, you can jump in here as well. For- uh, for Christmas, we've kind of moved towards doing something beef, red meat. Oh, last year, it's becoming a thing with us to do. Uh, last year, we did prime rib, oh. which was awesome. And we're we're honestly, my family's kind of turning into a surf and turf because we used to do two Thanksgiving dinners basically for Christmas. Well, we do one for Thanksgiving, and we do the same thing for Christmas. And we just got to the point where it's like, you know what? Let's switch it up. Uh, so we, we we've kind of navigated to like the surf and turf. So this year we're gonna uh, I'm gonna grill out uh, ribeyes on the grill. Last year I said we did prime rib. Um, so we'll do like a big surf and turf this year, uh, as opposed to doing Thanksgiving dinner all over again. It's what we usually did. Shorts, I'll say you. Well, you know, 
I would say I, I, don't celebrate I like Christmas. how he's thinking it out. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I don't celebrate Christmas, so it's hard to like. I, I think the win here is definitely Latkes. Um, if you're going with a, a win, a good latke is just out of this world. I, I don't, I, and it's a food that you should make more than just once a year. But for some reason, we make latkes only once a year. Oh, um, you got to explain to me what latkes is. A latke is so, so it's a fried, it's a fried potato pancake essentially. And oh, yeah, uh, that you make it, awesome. you, you make it for for Hanukkah, and so you shred the potatoes. Now you can cheat and buy the shredded hash browns, which I sort of do from time to time. But if you do it like classically, you actually grind it like on the shredder yeah. by hand. And if you, the best latke are always when they have a little bit of your blood in there because you just scrape up your your fingers as you do it and then you have the onions in there too and a little bit of flour and some eggs and you just fry it in oil and you top it now i just like them with salt people use applesauce or sour cream i think sour cream is a little better than applesauce um but it's it's a delicious and once a year so it signifies holiday and the winter and it just it tastes good and then i think like you always have a brisket for hanukkah so we had a great brisket the other day. I put that as as my as my uh, um, show and for place. I don't, I don't know, man. Like I, I dessert for Hanukkah is not really a thing, Dave. Is it? Did you? Did you no, no. It's yeah. It's a, well because because Judaism is kind of the inverse of Christianity. Christianity is like repent for your sins, yes. but then when you get your holidays, it's like celebrate everybody. The, the Jews are like the Jews are like celebrate life but then the holidays are like let's remember the death part it's, it's the opposite yeah they're all our, our holidays are fun all, our holidays aren't fun they're no they're all about like how we survive death yeah. right hanukkah passover like they're all about just like celebrations of like oh well you got forced out of egypt but at least yeah. you're alive right. I, I i actually did hanukkah uh the, the uh ceremony with a jewish family in pittsburgh before okay. adina schiffman and her family uh, <laughs> yeah, super cool man. Her granddad was uh part of the Holocaust, which was just out. It was, it was, man, it was, it really like, like you say, you're the way you guys celebrate is like, remember this. And they're going through lighting the candles and just going through the whole oh, yeah. ordeal of a ceremony. And I was just like, oh, let's talk about appreciation. <laughs> like, I thought we was about to have a good holiday party. What are we doing here? <laughs> so, so, you know, I'm telling the truth. So, it was just really cool. Still good friends with the family, man. Their kids are doing really well. One of them's going to University of Tennessee. So it's, it was really like, okay, all right, I, now you guys have real meanings behind us. We're not passing out gifts or anything, huh? So it was really it was really cool to experience. Uh, shifting gears, you saw Lamar Jackson on uh, Monday Night Football. <laughs> I know everybody's talking about it. By yeah. the way, Schwartz, we were real trailblazers, Spaghetti. We, you know, we were the ones telling poop stories before Lamar Jackson. Yes, last we did week. last week. Yeah, <laughs> I've talked to guys who made water on themselves during games. They they would uh, they would pee themselves because oh, they didn't wow. want to leave the field. Did you guys ever? Did uh, either one of you ever make water on yourself? Because no, nah. you were in the huddle. No. no. Nah, man, I played so white pants at Tennessee, although right. I had a teammate of mine, man, it's hot in Tennessee during the fall, got so hot, he lost his bodily control. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. And a guy even played in the NFL, too. But he it was just like, you didn't go drink any water? You didn't tell anybody? And in, in Pittsburgh, I never could. I, I, well, I wouldn't anyway, but like our group was like hard, like. 
you couldn't if you did anything like that, you were gonna get joked for the rest of your career. Well, the gold pants, but the gold pants were your friend for that. Ooh. That's what we about Lamar too. Good thing he had on the purple pants. What if he had the whites on? That would have that yeah, would have been, no, been he also no. didn't he also didn't shit himself. So um I do think that Ramon Short says that he didn't. He said he was getting uh, an IV. You know what? I think Lamar is so much of an athlete, he runs on his tiptoes like that all the time. So I'm not gonna buy it, man. <laughs> I I I pee, but Dave, the new stadiums all have bathrooms behind the benches. So mm-hmm. like that, so you could just go pee behind the bench now. Yeah. The old stadiums, you have to be creative. So sometimes you have to have an equipment guy hold up a jacket over the drain and just take a knee behind, like behind, like in the jacket, just piss in the drain yeah. or pee into a cup. I saw, I saw a kicker one time. I was, a, I think a rookie <laughs> and we're playing, we're, it's a, I'm a rookie. I saw our kicker. It's the middle of September. It's got a big Parker on the sidelines. Like, what is he doing? Then I see his hand come out from underneath with a Gatorade cup and dump it out. So I was like, oh, that's what he's doing. So you get creative in the ways you do. Just you know, number two is a death sentence. Once for me, at least as as an offensive lineman, once my gloves were on, my body knew like you're not going number two. It's just you're just not doing it for four hours. It's not happening. You're not. I never even had. I one time in college, I had a poop attack. And it's just the gloves are a problem. It's a, it's a problem not in practice, not in a game in practice. I had to run a porta potty. It's a problem, but like what in the NFL never people forget that Joe Paterno once did that in like, I think it was like, oh. like printed off the field, like an old man. Like there's only one place he's running for that. <laughs> I once, I, I'll save it for another time, but Please. your old teammate Lamar Woodley, I once uh, in advance of having an interview with him, I had to make a pit stop, and uh, I, I, I all I'll tell you is uh, Cliff's notes version. Lamar Woodley would say nothing other than that Damashek was a real pro that day. He had no <laughs> idea what happened, but but trust me, something awful happened that day. I'll tell that story at another Please. time. But instead, Ramon, I want to ask you this: I was watching a movie the other night, all right, and Tom Sizemore, the character actor, he gets killed in Heat, he gets killed in Saving Private Ryan, and so on. What actor do you think has the worst um, the, the worst odds of the worst survival rate in movie history? And who has the best like action hero? Tom Cruise never dies he in never movies. Dies. Like, he always stays alive. Like Schwarzenegger <sighs> got killed as Terminator in one and two. But otherwise, he always survives. Is there anybody that you guys spaghetti jump into Schwartz, anybody oh. that uh, that has bad luck with uh, with movie deaths, bad luck and movie deaths. Sp- Spaghetti tweeted out the answer. Danny Trejo, well, L.A.'s own. Dan- I mean, because by volume, he's in so many action flicks. He's killed sixty five times on screen. Imagine being in sixty five <laughs> movies and then think about ooh, dying sixty five times, which means he's he's lived in like let's just say sixty five other movies. It's an insane rate. <laughs> you just, okay, he grabbed the script. Okay, what do I die at? Yeah, like is that what he does? Yeah, basic. I know that guy Michael Bean who plays a bad guy. He played uh, Sean Bean. You talking about? No, well, there's Sean Bean, but uh, Michael Bean is a bad. bad he's he's um he's not the Terminator. He's the guy who helps Sarah oh, yeah, Connor. Yeah, yeah, he, he's oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, that guy. He's he's a he's a character actor, but usually plays a bad guy. He almost always dies. But also in Terminator, he impregnates Sarah Connor with the baby who grows up to you know defeat the robots <laughs> and uh, save the planet. But he also there's a sex scene. In that movie, I happen to know Michael Bean's son, and I'm like, "What is it like to to watch your father movie sex a woman like that?" Like, I mean, I, 
Is that uncomfortable? Like, are you able to watch the Terminator and like, oh no, look at that. That would be uncomfortable. I'd rather see that. I think I'd rather see my father movie die than movie sex. How say you? I'm I'm with that. And you know, just to just to go back real quick to uh actors who always die in movies, I'll say this though. At least when I was growing up, I always heard the running joke. I think Chris Rock has said it just all across the board. In the <laughs> 90s movies, you ask me what actor dies all the time. It was always the black person in the horror movie. First person to die. I can't name you any names, but it's just like black person in the horror movie. Oh, yeah, about to die. You know, like so that's usually how it went. I couldn't name anybody off top, though. They always It's funny because it's true. And then somebody dropped me a line um, to say the, that defies exactly your point. LL Cool J has a great streak of always living. He always it, somehow he all, he survives even in like shark movies. He's the only guy who deep, lives. Yeah, in Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue sea. <laughs> He's only yeah. on Deep Blue Sea. What a, a terrible movie. <laughs> but you always remember it, though, right? Oh yeah, it's the same. It's the same as like that Megalodon movie with with Jason Statham. Oh, it's a terrible movie, but you're like, oh, an eight hundred foot shark. What? Oh, I'm gonna watch this movie. Cool CGI. Let's turn on. Oh, was it Ice? Did Ice Cube su- uh, survive Anaconda? Or Lake? Was it Lake Placid? No, I Anaconda. Cube, Anaconda with Jennifer Lopez, Cube, right? Wait, does Ice Cube? I think Ice I think he Cube does. does live. Oh, he does. I don't know. See what I'm saying? What year? Was, what era was that? You might be right. You might be right about that. Yeah, you're onto something, Ramon Foster. Yeah. That's all I'm um, see, and you hear Schwartz. It could break where we started this conversation. See, Schwartz is like, gotta watch. It's a big monster. That's what he wants. He's just oh, like, LSU and Alabama. Hey, gotta put them in, no matter there, what. There, there's there's an actual tweet from Ice Cube from January 1st of this year. Fun fact. I owned the Anaconda because I didn't die and got to help kill the snake. <laughs> hey, I got to start questioning Ice Cube now. Anaconda, there's no way I'm having an Anaconda in my house. You mean to tell me it'll lay beside me to size me up just so it can kill me later? Oh, yeah. That, uh, I that, yeah, that's, yeah. I'm that. cool. By the way, I saw um, the disturbing snake video one time with the offensive line, which... If you've been around old linemen, if you've been around Alejandro Villanueva, you see how I'm rubbing my forehead right now? Because it, it took me to that dark place. I'm like, Al, don't ever show me that again, okay? I hate Al because of that moment, okay, in life. <laughs> Ramon Foster, next time you join us, I hope we can talk about a couple things. One, I'll tell you the Lamar Woodley story. Please. And in exchange, you have to tell your five best Ike Taylor stories. Oh, uh, that might take a long time. And, 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 we're not, and we're not an R-rated show, so we are or we're not. We're not. We, we, we're a family show still, I think. Oh, no. It's a live story. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'll just say this: one of the coolest dudes you ever have met, man. Like I know he had his public stuff, but like Ike, solid, very no, solid. Ike. Ike is uh, Ike ranks among my all time favorite human beings. Yeah. Uh, that that's for sure. He's uh, I've never seen. I don't know that I've ever known anybody who gets on with everybody the oh. way I does. There is nobody who I, who I've I've seen Jeff Goldblum talk to mm-hmm. Ike Taylor for for twenty seconds and fall in love with Ike. Like yes. I, it doesn't make a difference. Sidney Crosby's father. Like what? Why? 
I don't know what it is with yeah. Mike Taylor. He, everybody likes Ike. I don't uh, know, and and he gets on with everybody. So no doubt. Um, I like I like the beginning of this relationship too, Ramon Foster. Tell everybody uh, all, all the different places we can track you down. Man, I'm I host the morning show here in Nashville. Uh, Jay Martin Ramon, my co-host Jason Martin, and uh, our producer Jonathan Schaefer. We are just started September 9th, and I think our growth is just through the window right now. I also write a column, weekly column, uh, with DK Pittsburgh Sports Online. Uh, who would have thought a football player who actually writes? Also, a black lineman that writes. Just gonna throw that out there, okay, guys. But uh, my columns have been. Uh, They've received really good um, feedback from the fans that read it. They're great. Um, They're great. I've I've read them myself. They're dynamite. So I do those two things, and I'm just like Ike, man. Most of the time, I'm open for coming on almost anybody's show, even if we've criticized each other at some point in life. Uh, (laughs) I'm always okay with that. The PFF guys, I talk to them all the time, and it's just always funny with me. But I, I understand the dynamics of this. I enjoy doing this with you guys and with anybody else, too. So thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Don't let you get killed or any of your piece, any of your work get killed, like uh, based on uh, what we were just talking about there. Um, Ramon Foster, thanks so much, man. And uh, maybe we can even do it again in front of a Steelers playoff game because one way or the other, even though people think the sky is falling there on the banks of the three rivers, they are 11 and two and they are playing in the playoffs no matter what. So, um, so there is some reason for optimism. Absolutely, man. Like I said, we can do that. We can live stream a a, a game one day. I love that. That'd be awesome. Now we're cooking with gas. Jason going to get mad. I mentioned that to you. I hadn't even brought it up to him. (laughs) <laughs> count, me in. count me in for that Schwartz is Schwartz is probable uh, unless he has a poop attack if he has a poop attack all bets are off because he yeah, you, never, you never know well it just wear your time. gloves and we'll know you're in good shape Schwartz so <laughs> Thank thanks you. uh thanks Ramon Foster appreciate no you problem, man. Care, buddy. absolutely <laughs> all right let's blow through some games here real quick and round it out here as usual shocker we've uh we've run very long here never happened uh, before I know. What are we going to do? Okay, let's uh, make our picks. I do want to remind everybody once again, though, of our big one. That boost Eagles uh, to cover plus six and a half against Arizona. Arizona plus 110. We've kind of broken that one down, I think, uh, enough. Unless you have some more you want to throw in on that. No, Bills are given six to the Broncos. Any chance of a letdown here? It's a weird spot for the Bills. I feel like that was a a game of significance yeah. in their own heads last Sunday night. Is there a chance of a letdown this I, week? I really like the Broncos here. Uh, I did ton, too. Ton, mm. ton, of, ton of public money on the Bills. So here's an interesting stat. Now the Bills were at one point this week, seven point favor, uh, seven point dogs. I bet the Broncos at plus seven this weekend. I'm going to pull up all my stats here. Um, first of all, their, their coach, Vic Fangio, 14 and seven is underdog against the spread. But teams that are touchdown favored or more. Now they're not anymore. They were at the time. This season, nine and seventeen against the spread is a big public road favorite. So, and we saw last weekend three out of the four didn't cover. Right, the Chiefs did not cover Saints or the Packers. So, the, Drew Locke, by the way, since week 11, fifth in EPA expected points added. Broncos defense is good. I think it's a letdown spot for the Bills. I like the Broncos to cover. Boy, we're on the we're on, uh, on the same page there. Spaghetti. 
I I am a Bills believer, but home dog with the Broncos. There's a lot of things to like of this Broncos team. Obviously not in 2020, 2021 and, and forward. Their pass catchers and Noah Fan and, and how Drew Locke's been recently. Like they're a team I, I enjoy. There's gonna be a really a real tight one here. So definitely take the uh, the Broncos for the points. I do think that uh, yeah, Broncos tracking for 2021. If you buy Drew Locke, I think uh, they're positioned well for for next year. Um, what do you think about the, the Patriots? Getting a point and a half down in Miami, Schwartz. I this is one I'm avoiding, but it's juicy stuff in the AFC East. How say you? Because um, they, I, the Dolphins I, don't have wiggle room if you buy that the, the yeah, Ravens actually, are going to win out here. I think the Dolphins are a good play here. I took them in my Super mm. Contest picks. Um, the Patriots guys are not good. I, look, they beat the Chargers the other weekend uh, by three special teams touchdowns. They look like the, the they're like the what do we suck against the Rams? The Dolphins defense is really good. This is under a field goal. Like you know, seventeen fourteen Dolphins win. We get a cover. I love the Dolphins here. I think yeah, it's a big spot though for the Dolphins. They really gotta win this one because, like I say. They cannot drop games down the road and expect down the line here these last three weeks and still expect to make the playoffs because the Ravens are very likely to win out spaghetti. Yeah, I I agree with you totally with the amount of pressure on the Dolphins in this one. If they lose this game and if two looks shaky, you go like they go from being a nice story to them being like, oh, we do we have to reevaluate the quarterback position, which is something you don't want to do. And and the Patriots, like Jeff just said, they're just not a good team. Uh, I will I will pick the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are the better team, but this is like a game they have to win this one if they lose this one at home it's 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 not good i know this sounds counterintuitive with the chiefs and saints the big one here that it's weird that uh the saints are a um a home dog here um getting three but i also feel like the chiefs aren't giving enough points here give me the chiefs on the road how say you schwartz love the chiefs um is this is this line with Taysom hill playing well that's I, that's what i'm looking at now that's, that's, I, I, I don't get it. Um, the Chiefs have covered an outright one their last nine games under touchdown favorite. I think this is 10. Um, you, uh, Spaghetti, how say you? Yeah, I'm going to ride the Chiefs. They're the best team. I I mean, Sean Payton has come out this week and talked a little bit on, on shows about why he chose Taysom Hill, and I just can't agree with any of his reasons why. I don't I don't think he's the, the right move. I don't care if he was the guy that was there before Jameis. It just – this does not make any sense, and I think it's going to – they're going to start turning downwards while Drew Brees is still coming back, and the Chiefs are going to pound him. I agree. Spaghetti's in on the Giants plus five. How say you, Schwartz? You like the Browns giving five oh, the Browns, on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, I never said no, no, no. Time out for the picks. I never picked the Giants in this one. I but said under. Under. I know, but you're taking the Giants, though, right? I don't think so. Oh no! All right. No, no, no. I'm not. I don't. I don't I feel great. Assumption. I'm sorry. I don't feel great about any of my teams this week. I'm going to be honest and fair. I don't like uh, the Giants with the coaching issues and Daniel Jones injury. I and how the Browns look. I do not like the Giants in this game whatsoever. I don't know what to make of the Jets or any pro football team giving 17 and a half to another team uh, or getting 17. Just stay away from that game. It's crazy. That's yeah. You don't know how wonky that one gets. 12 and a half ain't much better for the Steelers going into Cincinnati. Let's round it out there. Schwartz, 12 and a half. Uh, Yeah. I just, again, I, I know that we are a podcast that advertises wagering on NFL games, but guys, sometimes it's just better. Not to do it. And and put your money on the Eagles here, plus six and a half. Fade me if you would like. Don't spend your hard-earned money on a Bengals-Steelers game. That's just, it's just not it's not a way. Monday Night Football, too. Just don't do it. Just I, say you no. know what? I, I appreciate that sentiment, Schwartz. Just say no. If I had to, if I had to though, 
If I had to bet uh, a testicle on it, I would take the Steelers minus 12 and a half. I, I mean, if, well, if, if you're married if, with if multiple I, kids, you don't have any of those anymore to wager. That's true. Fair enough. Well, that's why I, I, I could be so cavalier about giving one away. Am, am I crazy for if you want to bet on this game? And I think the Steelers are going to win I don't, uh, easily by that margin. Am I crazy for thinking it's going to go over the 40 and a half? Like you don't see the Steelers scoring like 38 points and like the Bengals even getting like six or nine points. I think it's one of those ones where the Steelers defense with what uh, Cincinnati's thrown out on the field at this point, that there could be some defensive scores there. Yeah. It could get weird and go over that 40 and yeah. go over the 40 and a half. Right? I, I sneaky like that. I think that the, the, the Steelers are going to put an offensive show and then just, you got to pray for the, the, the Bengals to, you know, sc- you know, single digits, obviously three, six, nine points, something like that. But I can see it going over 40 and a half. Um, all right. So there you have it. We have all our picks. The big one, the bet boost for you, the Eagles plus six and a half. You can fade Jeff Schwartz and uh and ride with Arizona. He loves them. Um, the Eagles, though, plus one ten to cover that six and a half. Get that one, get our win play show bets. Make sure you're listening to extra points with me, cousin Sal, and Charlotte Wilder. Make sure you're listening to Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you, Please. wherever you find your podcast. All of Schwartz is good work over there at Fox sports and uh most importantly stay safe and all that stuff with uh with the holidays upon us here have a good one if we don't talk to you we'll try to get a show to you what in front of christmas right Spaghetti? yes, some, yes, some point yes. next week we'll get Sometime it we'll give you something uh, 100% before christmas yes all right so we'll uh we'll break down what we saw in week 15 and project ahead to week 16 and all the college football action and otherwise until then for eddie spaghetti jeff schwartz and thanks to ramon foster Thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.